lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Hello everybody, welcome to um, this first episode of 2021 of MGR Unplugged. The truth is that we have so much stuff that is happening in the first um, five, six days of the year. That is incredible, including all the stuff that happened yesterday. But I'm looking at um, Bitcoin and it just, just now, it passed 40,000. Oh, did it really? Just, just now? now? Just now. Wow. $40,044 for one Bitcoin. David is super excited. He's being a Bitcoin uh, believer. We were talking yesterday about uh, um, you had to do something with an with your IRA. Yeah, and yeah. You yeah. said, "When are you going to make your own IRA?" I said, "I have a BRA. Okay, I have a Bitcoin <laughs> retirement account. That's my retirement account. <laughs> my, my individual Bitcoin account. I IBA. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, with all the chaos that happened." Uh, the, it, no, the but, markets but let me, keep let me, going up. I know. It's like nobody I I, nobody cares. I don't understand. I don't understand anything. The, the, the said, Fed will print its way through a civil war. It doesn't matter. I don't understand what's, got, what's happening because everything that we were expecting to work rationally, like like basically, you know, four years ago when, when, when Trump was elected, people say, oh, you know, this is great for the market, all that stuff, tax rates for the corporations going down, all the all the stock market went up because they said, okay, lower tax rates means more productivity, we're gonna hire more people, blah, 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 all that stuff. Today, we're basically in the 180 degree opposite of what happened four years ago. And yesterday, you and I were looking at the market, which was chaotic. I mean, the, the Georgia elections, turned out to be two more senators for the Democrats, which now basically... They, is it official? Is it's it? official, yeah. Okay. So basically, they won the two seats that were pending in the runoffs. And now, basically, the Senate is 50-50, which means that with Kamala Harris as the uh, as the tiebreaker, is right. basically Democrat. So the, the House, complete House, is now Democrat. The complete Congress. The Congress. House, and, House Senate. and Senate, correct. Yeah. Well, the House lost a few seats, but still is Democrat, and the Senate now is basically Democrat too, so they can increase yeah. uh, the, the Congress. Um, but the thing is that the market yesterday, even when the riots in uh, Capitol Hill and all that stuff started, was up on a record high. It went as high as 600 points. Mm. It was almost like 2% high. And it was like, what is going on? And then it went down a little bit to still 400 or something up. You know, it was up a buck and a quarter percentage, basically both S&P and, and even the, Rus the Russell, which is the small business, you know, index. And um, so then <clears throat> people were saying, well, it doesn't matter if, if Biden won the elections or whatever, because the Senate still might be. Well, the argument for the Senate thing was that uh, the, the big question is what they'll do with capital gains tax. Yeah. Um, that if not only that, corporate taxes, everything else. Yeah, corporate taxes. The the for the market, yeah, it's the corporate tax and the capital gains tax. Uh, if they will basically increase them. Uh, right now, capital gains is depending on how much you make, fifteen to twenty percent. And there was rumors that they were just going to make it the same as income taxes, so you could mm -hmm. pay like thirty five percent. Yeah, whatever your capital gains. Is. Yeah. Um, which obviously that's a big difference. Um, and then, yeah, the corporate tax, obviously Trump lowered it to 21. They were saying they might take it back to 28. I, I, yeah, I exactly. don't know. We'll see. But, um, 
Yeah, so that's the thing, the negative side, as far as you, if you're looking at what the markets would respond, that would be the negative side. But the positive side is, if it looks like now it's all blue across the executive and, and legislative, that means that they're probably going to pass through more stimulus. And they were talking about the $2,000 checks and all that, um, which is pro the market. I mean, listen, if you're just going to have a, a, a government that says we don't care about inflation, we're just going to jack it up, then asset prices are going to rise. I mean, it doesn't matter. But the thing who, who cares about, you know, 7% more in taxes, first of all, corporations have all their ways of getting around corporate taxes. But second of all, who cares about a little more in in taxes when the asset inflation is going to go up another 20% this year? Right. But the, the main thing or one of the things that I see is that back in November during the actual elections, Georgia, which is the only state that has these kind of runoffs, both senators won. Both Republican senators have won. The only difference is that they didn't win by enough margin. So by Georgia rules when you don't win by enough margin that you have this runoff to confirm it basically like a recount but it's a real recount where you ask people to vote again but in november both of those republican senators were leading by very small margin but they were basically they won the seat now in the runoffs two years later two, two months later they lost so in two months georgia who's never been uh, who's never lost basically uh never had like democratic senators now they have two. They won both. Yeah, I mean, Which, you know, Arizona, same thing. Yeah, Arizona has two Democratic senators right, right now. Right, right. We've been a but red state we, for a long time. But that's the way it was at the election. But like I said, in Georgia, it was the original result was two Republicans. The later runoff result is two Democrats. So in two months, in 60 days, people changed their mind. And one of the things that I believe changed their minds is the fact that if you go back a little bit and you say, okay, well, Trump... Finally, uh, uh, Congress passed the latest stimulus package, which meant $600 for individuals and a bunch of other things, obviously, that we are not going to discuss now. But then Trump said, oh, that's too little. I'm going to veto that thing. It needs to be at least 2000 Okay, well, that's, you know, that kind of put everything on, on the side of the Democrats because Nancy Pelosi, who's a very smart woman, said, oh, yeah, they're perfect. We never agree with Trump, but in this case, we agree. Well, they're going to pass another type to pass another vote to approve the 2000 then they it put all the republicans on a bind because all of a sudden it's like okay well we just spent like three four months negotiating the stimulus package we finally passed 600 and now our president says it should be 2000 now the democrats are saying yes it should be 2000 we were trying to get 2000 now we're going to pass this thing then obviously the senate said no there's no way we're going to keep it as it is so <laughs> Basically, the uh, my my feeling is that the uh, voters in Georgia were saying, "Okay, well, if we vote Republican, we're going to be six hundred dollars getting in the mail. If we vote Democrat, Senate is going to pass a two thousand dollar stimulus." So basically, they were buying indirectly. They were bribing people. They were buying votes. Basically, I mean seriously. I mean, if you are if you are a Georgia voter and you say. If I vote Democrat now, I'm going to get basically Congress and this, I mean, basically the Senate and the House to pass the $2,000 stimulus package, which they were trying to, but then the Senate currently, currently Republican didn't pass. Now I'm going to get $2,000 in the mail. That's what they did. Two months later, that's what they did. So Trump didn't help in this case. 
you know, where he threw that bullet that he didn't, he know that he knew it wasn't going to pass. And then he put the whole thing into the uh, Democrats to say, yeah, yeah, we want to do that. And the Senate is not approving it. Okay, well, we have two senators that are in limbo. Okay, we're going to make it Democrats now. So, I mean, all, all that stuff is kind of crazy. But uh, the the irrationality of the market, if that's where you want to define it, is, is being crazy. Because if I was an, an investor, ad, investing advisor, I mean, at this point, I'll tell my clients, just going to buy and hold whatever. <laughs> I have no fucking clue what to tell you. I mean, the, the market indicators are not re responding to... No, I mean, listen, the, the thing I've learned most the last two years investing is just... I, I really had to give up. There's there's the there's like there's there's what you think is right and what you want to be right. Um, and what I mean by that, uh, I don't mean like morally. I mean just as in you know just look at like the valuations of comp. I mean Tesla today is now worth over a hundred billion dollars now. I mean. I, listen, I love Tesla's cars and all that. That's great. They're valued at $1.5 million per car sold. I, I, I mean, it's just yeah, completely I think, I think, irrational. Yeah, I, I think know? in that I mean, case, it has to do with Tesla. Or, or, being or another company that we love and we work with constantly, Shopify. Mm -hmm. Shopify is a great company. Toby Lucky is a brilliant CEO. But are they worth like, what, 200, 300 billion now? I don't know, man. I no, mean, I know, I know. I mean, Everything, it's kind of nuts. You yeah, know? the the uh, the um, uh, price to earnings ratio, if you will, the P is is uh, is exaggerated. But right my now. point is, I have learned to. It's it's like the famous uh, what's the name of the uh, the uh, Doctor Strange love. How I learned to to drop the bomb on no. It was, uh, how I learned to stop worrying and, and love, the love the bomb or something. Yeah. Basically, what I've done over the last two years is i am become Dr. Strangelove. I have learned to stop worrying and just love the Fed, basically. Yeah, well, that's what everybody's because, doing. Because, I mean, I, was, I still think the long-term ramifications are going to be quite dire if you just have mega massive inflation. But at the same time, I have to stop. I had to stop basically saying, you know what? I know this is irrational. I know this isn't right. I know this isn't sustainable. But I also know that for basically last year, 2020, and I think this year, 2021, things will remain irrational. And I'm going to ride that wave, baby. Right. And that's basically and what I'm you, doing. And I don't, this is not investment advice. This is it's incredibly risky. No, but if it's not it's advice, unsustainable. it's just But you know what? It works. And but you love the Fed now. You're going to love it even more um, in the coming months when you have Janet Yellen joining as becoming right. the uh, Secretary of the Treasury. And then she's a former Fed herself. She was a dovish, very dovish help, uh, Fed. And uh, yeah, basically you're going to have a Fed plus a former Fed working together. Plus uh, all Democrat and an all Democrat federal government government who's going to say, hey, we're going to bring as much aid as is needed. I want to print as much money as is needed. And we're going to help individuals and companies and keep this and keep that and all these things. And it's just going to be a overflow of cash, you know, that is not backed by anything. And inflation will be like the Fed says is well, we're looking at an average over eight to 10 years of 2%. That yeah, means that I mean, that's so right. Wrong. It's it, not even funny. Well, that's like saying. I mean, just look at 
like this is the problem with the inflation it's like they don't look at hard assets i mean hard asset prices homes obviously the market everything is going up uh, insane amounts even metals like copper is up like 40 percent. i mean that's the well, real that's inflation the that, that, that i think a lot of people don't understand that inflation is the worst hidden tax that you can have it is it like is. people understand they understand taxes saying okay right well tax the rich tax this tax that whatever or corporate taxes all that shit and yeah that's a number that you can put saying okay well corporate tax the corporate taxes now are 21 percent. fine understood now the, the democrats want to bring it back to 28 percent. i think they will probably settle at 25 percent to kind of be in between okay they're going to increase that you, you put a number there so you see it's more or less nobody understands inflation as a number but what they need to see is that you say, okay, well, let's say that I bought a house 20 years ago that was worth a hundred, that cost me $140,000, okay, 20 years ago. Um, with my salary 20 years ago, I could afford the house. It was a $1,000 mortgage a month. And with my salary and all that stuff, the mortgage was an X percentage of my annual income. It was affordable, whatever. Okay, that house now is worth or is, is selling for $600,000. I said, oh, well, it's great because the house has appreciated, whatever. No. I mean, my buying power has decreased because right now, if you look at the average person and says, okay, could you buy your house today? And you say, no, because my house has appreciated. No, your house has appreciated. Yeah, probably. But the other reason is that your salary, your buying power has depreciated. I mean, so right now you couldn't afford to buy your house. I was even looking at homes in in phoenix where we are and it's it's actually crazy in some areas of the city like tempe uh, certain areas of scottsdale other areas of phoenix i mean homes that were literally two hundred thousand dollars in tempe mm-hmm. in in 2010 are five hundred thousand today i mean that's inflation obviously part of that is that there's phoenix is a hot city as far as people moving here in demand right but phoenix is also a city that doesn't have it's the opposite of like san francisco where they're so limited on building housing mm-hmm. in phoenix you the spread. city is like build as many fucking houses as you want doesn't matter i mean it, there's no every day there in phoenix there's a new like neighborhood being built there's no limits um but man i mean i mean just a, f- a typical house in phoenix used to cost like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and now most homes in Phoenix, like a typical two bedroom or two or three bedroom house, nothing crazy is, is, has gone from like 250 to like 450 plus, you know, we'll be at typical home in Phoenix is going to be like five, half a million dollars soon. And that's, that's well, real inflation. And Phoenix, which used to be like one of the most affordable cities, it's still very affordable compared to other cities, but it's becoming less affordable. And that's a well, lot of that is inflation. They, because people's salary have not increased at the same pace. Right. That's exactly the point. If, right. you, if you could afford that house, like you said, years ago at 250000 and and you were paying $1,500 a month in mortgage, right now that $500,000 house is going to cost you $3,000 a month in mortgage. Okay. But... You don't have that kind of salary to for that. That's basically fifty percent of your salary. If you pay three thousand your mortgage, which basically no lender is going to approve. So even though mortgage rates are at an all time low, approval rates are also at an all time low because bankers are becoming much more scrupulous of saying of giving loans to customers that are stretching themselves. Real estate investment market is right. so hot right now. I right. mean, the real estate investment market. Uh, 
is is crazy. I mean, how many people are getting into it is is nuts right now because because rates are so low. And so when you live in a when you are in a super inflationary environment, what is the best thing to do? Well, you don't want to have cash. You obviously you always need to have some cash, but you don't want to have a lot of cash because that money is just literally just being destroyed in terms of its value. Right. You want to own hard assets. And so when you can get a hard asset that's appreciating 5-10% a year because of inflation, but the interest rate you're paying is 2%, I mean, that's a no fucking brainer. And that's why the real estate market is, in terms of investors, is exploding right now. And you combine that with so many people cannot afford to buy and are forced to rent that the rental demand is massive. Like in Phoenix, I was looking the ratio of homeowners versus home renters. Oh, yeah. The yeah, renters are the highest ever. It's yeah. almost, it's like 45% renters now when it used to be like 30. Well, not only that. So it's you, almost 50-50 now, homeowners to renters. You see, you see the... Um the listings for, like you said, for renting versus buying or for yeah. sale versus for rent. And now you see a lot of houses that are for rent. For one, people that do not qualify to buy the house are just going to rent. Rent is safer. You pay by the month. You don't pay. You get evicted, whatever. You know, you're out. Mortgages are a whole different, a different story, you know. So, I mean, that going back to the actual market, I, I mean, the, there's such a disjoint... Um, uh, like if you look at our economy and you look at society in general. But, but if you look, like to put the numbers in perspective for people on the real estate, it's like the reason why it's so hot right now is because say you got a property for uh, whatever, 300000 right? And your plan is, okay, I'm going to own it for 10 years, rent it out, and then in 10 years I'm going to sell it. It's like, okay, well, with the inflation where it is, that home that's 300000 today is probably going to be, let's say, half a million 10 years from now. Right. So you're already gaining 200000 on the value. In the meantime, the rental income that you've been getting, let's say uh, you, know, you make whatever, I'm just making it up, uh, 5% return cap rate let's be conservative here right so you get five percent on that and then the 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 home itself is worth five hundred thousand but you only paid three hundred thousand plus you paid whatever twenty percent down so that would be fifty grand on that house or sixty grand so you basically are putting sixty grand of actual cash up front mm -hmm. for a return of two hundred thousand plus whatever you make in the rental income so you're basically are probably getting like a four or five X return over 10 years right. on a hard asset that's pretty stable. I mean, obviously there's always risk in the housing market. Don't ever think that there's not, but it's not the most volatile area. So the opportunity to get a four or five X return where the worst case scenario is maybe the house could go down 50% in value. That's why it's so hot right now. And right. that's why everybody's fl flooding into real estate. And, but of course, as more people flood in, asset prices keep going up. At some point, it's unsustainable. And again, just to just to repeat what I said before, if you want to understand inflation, just think about uh, anything that is a valuable asset. Let's just keep with the house uh, example. That house that you bought 10, 15 years ago that you could afford with your whatever job salary you had, see if you could afford it at the current price today with your current salary and the current price or appraisal price, a price value of your house. If you can't, that means that 
inflation has taken a hit on your on your buying power and that applies to everything obviously we don't see so much i mean maybe you go to the grocery store and before with 80 dollars you were able to buy things for you know three four five days for a week and now all of a sudden you're spending 120 well that is inflation too you s- well, it's a smaller amount <laughs> the joke i saw someone make the other day is because the fed released their inflation and they basically said we, there's no inflation like for this last quarter we've seen zero inflation or like 0.1 percent or something yeah and someone joked uh because they and they have their basically the cpi the consumer price yeah. index mm-hmm. which is like this specific basket of goods that who yeah. fucking knows how they come up with it uh and someone joked yeah you know there's no inflation on all the things that i don't buy basically right right that they, there's lots of inflation <laughs> all the stuff that i buy i see inflation but apparently on all the things i'm not buying there's no inflation well it's like europe just just declared their inflation numbers which were negative for the ninth quarter in a row or something so they have deflation which is even worse for companies because nobody will sell shit but they're, they're saying, okay, well, we have deflation, meaning, oh, well, consumers should be happy because the prices haven't increased. And it's like, well, consumers are unemployed. They don't even have money to buy their shit. And now you're telling them that the prices are cheaper. No, they're not cheaper because basically for their buying power, half of them are not working. Half of them are on unemployment income, which is kind of for lows and all these things. And they don't have the buying power. So it doesn't matter. You tell them that inflation is minus 0.15% or something because that doesn't help them, you know. Not to mention that printing more money is just not going to help either. So, but yeah, but I mean, the, 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 the disjointed thing that we have now or situation that we have now with, with the, the market and the street is, is incredible. I mean, uh, like I said, I mean, the, the, the tipping point for me was yesterday when the market was up 600 points. I was watching it and I said, oh, okay, well, I guess people will like the, uh, the full, you know, Congress to be Democrat or whatever, you know, they said before, no, now they, they said that before the market was going up, because even though the Democrats won the election and all that stuff, the Senate could be still Demo- uh, Republican and they could be, things would be even a little bit. It didn't th- seem like that was the reason because the market was going up yesterday. Once they started to see that the, the Democrats had won the election in Georgia and all that. And then when I saw the riots, I'm like, Okay, well, this is gonna be a major drop. I mean, it was the last two hours of trading, last two trading hours, and it was like I thinking, okay, this is gonna take a nosedive. No, doesn't matter. It's like people are like, the investors are totally looking forward, saying, okay, well, the capital might be taken, the White House down, or whatever, like a movie. <laughs> it's like who the fuckers? But not only that, after all the stuff that happened at the close of the market yesterday, they finally. Uh, uh, certify Biden at night after everything settled at about 6 p.m. Eastern or whatever. They went back and they were able to vote and everything. They finally certified at night. And then the futures were up another 150. And today, market is, as of now, is up about, Dow is up 200 points or almost 1%. And the S&P, which is even more indicative, is 1.5% up. It's like, do we have a total disconnect? I mean, it's like working, buying stocks. Is the Fed just buying all that shit? How is the market going up so high? You got to be Dr. Strangelove. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Stop I mean, worrying about the bomb and learn to love it. Okay. And in this case, the bomb is the Fed. And then we were talking Bitcoin earlier, kind of joking about the uh, the the increase. I mean, this crypto is being growing crazily over the last... Crypto makes more sense to me. Yeah, it does. The market, now it the does. market. I mean, again, when I say makes sense, it's it's probably not the right word. Uh, like it's more it, justified. Yeah, it no, makes total sense to me why the market is going up. 
because we have massive stimulus. You know, it's it, that's what it is. It's just artificial pumping of the market. So it makes total sense to me. And it doesn't surprise me at all when I see the market keep going up. But now, is that long-term rational and will there be long-term consequences? Yes, but in the short term, it makes sense. Again, I mean, there could be a fucking earthquake uh, that destroys LA tomorrow and I think that the market will still be up. Seriously, I don't think anything is taking this market down unless we go to fucking nuclear war. And even then, who knows? I mean, seriously. I, that's what I think for 2021. I don't expect I, I expect basically a mirror of last year. I bet you the S&P is up another 10, 15 percent this year again. Um, now, beyond 2021, I just don't know how long you can keep it going. Um, and I think at some point, you know, the Fed runs out of bullets, so to speak. Right. Um, but but yeah, I think 2021 is going to be another again, not investment advice. It's just pure speculation. I think the Fed can keep this baby pumping for another year or so. But on the crypto, it makes much more sense to me because the crypto is, is essentially a hedge against what the Fed is doing. I mean, yeah, that's but what so, so would be gold and gold is not growing at the but same pace. But gold is as, up too, though. Yeah, no, it's gold, been up, but not even close to what crypto yeah, but also like Ethereum keep in or mind, Bitcoin have been. Gold's global market <clears throat> cap is 10 trillion. So to move gold takes a lot more. Right. Um, and also, I do think that a lot of the demand that normally would be going to gold because so many institutions uh, don't have Bitcoin exposure and are basically saying we need to own Bitcoin. Right now, their number one priority is we need to own Bitcoin. So if that means not focusing on gold for the next six months, I think that's what they're going to do. I think gold, I mean, I think I'm like an alien weirdo in saying this because a lot of people think like are Bitcoin versus gold. I think both are going to go up a lot. I mean, I think, I, I think I, we could see $3,000 gold, I think we're going to see six-figure Bitcoin. So I think we're going to see both. All right. So let me, let me, let's continue with Bitcoin because there's been a couple of news. One of them you just shared with me about um, the Cash App, was it? Um, that uh, about taking payments. Oh, that was a, that's a startup. In, okay. in strike is what they're called, I think. Okay. By uh, Jack Mallers. Jack Mallers. Uh, he's a young guy who's been working on basically Lightning Network Solutions, which is a, a protocol on top of uh, Bitcoin that does off-chain transactions. So the, the negative side effect, one of the things that people argue against Bitcoin is that um, as it gets bigger, um, that the, the cost of transactions and speed is just not there for it to be like a global payment system. And that is true. That's always been a weakness of of. Bitcoin meaning blockchain. that you cannot use it to for daily transactions right like buying a coffee does not make <clears throat> sense right, right. on the traditional Bitcoin blockchain right. um, it's expensive and it's slow and just we couldn't run all the world's transactions through Bitcoin's blockchain it just doesn't have the transactions right, per right, second. right. Um, so the solution is basically lightning network which essentially is what's called off-chain and how it works is for lower stakes so if you're gonna you know buy a house with Bitcoin. Okay, for you, maybe that's worth doing it on the main chain, right? You don't want to do that off chain because, okay, maybe there's a fee, but hey, you know what? For my house, it's worth it. I'll pay the fee, right? Because it's right. a master transaction. The, the risk there is, it, the, the risk mitigation is worth it, essentially. You're paying the fee to reduce the risk. For a coffee where the risk is losing $5, 
okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that risk, basically. Mm -hmm. And day-to-day -day transactions where the biggest risk is like losing small amounts of money, basically you can do it off-chain. Off-chain means it's not on the blockchain yet, so right. there is more risk the, and there the, is- On the public ledger types. Right, and so the risk of off-chain is obviously that, um, you know, once something's on the public ledger, on the blockchain, so mm -hmm. to speak, it's there forever. You can't change it. There's no going back. It's done. It's like set in stone, right? The off-chain, there's more uh, vulnerability. But again, uh, it's not that it's vulnerable, but it's not as basically impenetrable as on-chain. But how do you reconcile the off-chain transaction? Well, with the so what they do is you basically will have, so say you're Starbucks, right? What you do is you have a whole day's worth of transactions, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever, I don't know how many coffees Starbucks sells, let's say right. they make two grand a day in coffees, whatever. Um, and so they have all the, or more, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just throwing a number out there. Probably three grand. What is this? Like a million a year is probably a typical Starbucks store. I have I no idea. More, but Anyways, three grand, four grand, whatever. Right. So they have three grand worth of coffees in the day. Um, and then basically the risk is that, oh, someone, I bought this coffee and I could try to um, dispute that purchase and and get it removed from that chain or whatever right it's like low stakes basically mm -hmm. and then at the end of the day they take all those transactions and put them into one essential single block and then they put it on the blockchain so then it's like a single four thousand dollar transaction for the day and then that goes on the blockchain um, right. And so that's how you do okay, it. Okay, so they lump them together. They lump them together because okay. you don't need, <clears throat> you know, blockchain is great. Bitcoin's blockchain is great for uh, basically right, major, major high risk or, or, or not necessarily high risk, but where you have a lot to lose. Again, if you're right. selling your house and you're like, you know what, I know it's going to cost me a thousand dollar fee to do this on the blockchain, but for my half a million dollar home, I will take that. So this startup that you so mentioned. So what this startup did that's interesting is they launched it um, and they had a cool demo video. It's called InStrike. People can look it up. But um, they're creating like a global Venmo or Cash App mm -hmm. essentially where you can send money any currency. Well, I don't know any currency but many global currencies. So he did Euro to Dollars as right. an example. And basically how it works is I'm sending you 10 bucks, right? And I go and, and put in $10 and then it instantaneous i mean it literally works in like less than a second it's so fast because lightning network is really fast um it takes my ten dollars it's a, if you want to get it in euros it sends it to you in euros but how it work and it and it's in less than a second it automatically converts everything's done um and how it, it uses bitcoin as a settlement layer so what it's doing is it's taking your 10 us dollars it's buying bitcoin and then it's tr with U.S. dollars, and then it's immediately selling that Bitcoin back into euros, and then giving you that exact amount, and it does it instantaneously. Wow! Um, and it's free. So there's no fee. What does that require from the lend on the payment, the payer and the recipient or the payee? I mean, it requires that I, you, both of us, have the app. Yeah, it's just it's like having Cash App basically. Right, but it's it's basically it's it's a cash app, but now the settlement layer is is Bitcoin, and obviously you can send Bitcoin with it too. Right, and it's instantaneous. It's he basically built a global cash app for Bitcoin. So, so I'm assuming because you mentioned euros and dollars, that's like an international transactions too. Like basically, yeah. you make it like a wire transfer for a small amount or whatever. Yeah. Where's the limit? Is the limit? I don't know what the limit is. I'm assuming there are limits, but I, so I can send money or you can send money to well, like a foreign transaction to a person in Europe in euros and they just get it yeah 
It's really cool. I mean, okay. it's smart. I mean, oh, it's, the fees. It's a real. It's a real. It's a real actual like. One of my gripes with, with some of the exchange type. One of my gripes with some of the people in the uh, you know Bitcoin community is that they don't make things user friendly and they don't make things like the 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 level of kind of savviness and intelligence needed is still decently high and to have mass adoption you need to make things super simple and easy and he basically made this i mean him and his team and it's it's great it, it really it's very simple and so, it's it's smart they're basically making they made a version of cash app but it uses bitcoin as a settlement layer so you can send money anywhere in the world instantaneously for free no i know this is new one it's not even launched yet but i'm I'm trying to figure out how this works. So, so obviously, because it uses Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is notoriously volatile right now. I mean, it could go up five percent, down percent. When they made the transaction and they convert, let's say, dollars to Bitcoin and from Bitcoin back to euros. I mean, even as fast as it goes, they may be making or losing money. Going yeah, but I think part of how they because it's free, they don't charge anything. Right. I think they make money on the float. Okay, that's their bet. They make money on the float. So they don't charge customers for transaction fees or anything, which many no. people do. Or currency conversion fees. Currency nothing. conversion fees, nothing. They just they just make money with it on the float. On the float. Yeah. So that's like a almost like a high frequency trading in forex or in, in maybe currency. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how that is uh, that is launching now. So, uh, yeah, I mean the um, uh, the Bitcoin. I mean it's been like. I mean, we, we discussed this a few times already, but especially the last, um, uh, I don't know, probably last month, Bitcoin has been growing like crazy. I mean, I remember specifically because I bought some Bitcoin before Christmas and it's almost now up 60% in what, three day, three weeks maybe, two and a half weeks. So now again, it could be a bubble, who knows, whatever. But uh but it's, uh, there's a lot of institutions now that are believing in Bitcoin. I think that is what is making Bitcoin much more appealing to a lot of people, not just the, the Bitcoin lovers that were before that brought up and everybody was buying Bitcoin without even knowing what it was or how it worked. And then it totally took a hit and it totally crashed. I think the run-up is going to keep going because right now it seems like every institution is saying, in the same way institutions realize, oh, we need to have you know, a diversified portfolio and mm -hmm. they want some gold exposure, bonds, different, different assets. It seems like almost every institution now is realizing, oh, we need Bitcoin exposure. Right. And when these institutions are buying billions and billions of dollars of Bitcoin and they're taking any opportunity that they can get, that's why the price keeps going up. And right. I think we're going to see it go no, way yeah, up. But not only that, I mean, when, when you see big institutions on, on investment, funds that are um uh taking um inventory of, of bitcoin basically that means that the uh, retail investor is going to believe more and it's saying okay well if jp morgan is or, or citibank or whatever is buying this bitcoin I, I can buy it too it's not some so speculative anymore you know it has a little more of a seal of approval if you will so all right so um i wanted to switch quickly to um social networks, specifically uh, Facebook and other stuff. Obviously, there's one big news, which is obviously, again, as a result of everything that happened yesterday, um, they've been acting more into um, suppressing Trump's accounts and banning them or suspending them for 24 hours, 12 hours and all that stuff. So 
I don't know if there's much more to say about that because really well, now Facebook banned him until he's out of office. Right. They basically banned. Him. Yeah, Zuckerberg said that he was suspended for two weeks or until he's out of office, which is basically the same thing. I mean, this the yeah. the uh, President Biden is sworn in on two and the twentieth, so basically we're two weeks away. So, and then you know what? It's funny because I just read that Shopify has also yeah, banned the store down all the stores, all the stores that sell Trump merchandise or Trump pro-Trump merchandise, even including the ones with his name, or with all the hats, make America great again, all the stuff, all the stuff they said, we don't, we don't, that's against our policy now, we don't endorse any policy, any violence and all the stuff, so they, all the stuff is down, so he's taking a major hit, um, socially, if that is uh, <laughs> the way to explain it, with Twitter, with YouTube, with, I didn't even know he had a Snapchat account, but I heard, apparently he did too. Uh, obviously, he didn't manage himself. How did he <laughs> stuff himself? But uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's basically uh, blacklisted with social media for for a good reason, I guess. And then, um, um, but I wanted to get into the marketing side and advertising side of social media because um, we've been getting all this in our marketing and digital marketing world. We've been getting all this. Um, uh, announcement from Facebook as far as the new policy that Apple is implementing with their um, advertising policies. So, and you deal with that stuff pretty much on a daily basis. So, could you explain a little bit on a, somehow that we all understand what is the change that is happening now when we are looking at Facebook or Instagram and uh, the ads that we used to see before, and if you're looking specifically through an iPhone or some kind of Apple device, yeah. how that's going to be affected? Basically, people probably already have seen it, but um, <clears throat> with the new iOS update, iOS 14.2 or whatever one it is, um, Apple added a new notification um, or, or, or question like when you download an app um, or start using an app, when it says like, what do you want to access your camera or whatever, things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, they added a new one that I forget the exact wording, but it basically says something like, do you want to allow Facebook and this applies for different apps too, but do you want to allow Facebook or Instagram or whatever to track you, um, on third party apps and websites basically. So when you're not using Facebook, do you want to allow them? So if you're on, if you go on Facebook or Instagram and then you leave and you browse the web or you go to a different app, do you want to allow them to track your behavior there? Mm -hmm. And it says yes or no. Okay, well, obviously, most people see that and they say, the well, out. Yeah. no, I don't want to be tracked everywhere. And so I don't know what percentage of people say yes versus no. If I had to guess, probably 90 plus percent say uh, basically no, I don't want to be tracked. Um, and so what that means is just Facebook's targeting, Facebook and Instagram's targeting um, is not as good anymore. I mean, just very simply, basically one of the ways that Facebook, uh, Facebook's algorithm is so good is that it's not just tracking people's behavior within their apps. It tracks them across the web, what they're doing on other websites, on other mm -hmm. apps, doing other things. And, uh, now it can't do that anymore on iOS devices, which anybody who runs ads knows that iOS devices, especially in the United States, are basically all the purchasers. I mean, like Android, it's not even close, you know? Because right. um, basically iPhone users have more money. It's very simple. And uh, so, yeah, and then also as far as the retargeting and tracking goes, it hurts a lot of that too. Um, and so basically what you're gonna see is just a lot more broad audiences. Is that already implemented? It's already, yeah, it's It's already in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because For... I've seen, 
So, like, I, I downloaded the latest uh, iOS, but I've seen sometimes that I... Um, I need to check if it's, that's the way it was, but, uh, like, I've been searching things on, you know, websites or whatever, and then... Obviously, I see an ad on Instagram or something for something similar within the same range, if not exactly the, the product I was searching. And I was searching probably through Safari or whatever is the uh, browser, the default browser for, for Apple. So I'm not sure if I, because I didn't download, is that only for the new apps that you download or no, it's no, going to no, pop up something it's gonna new? It's going to pop up when you, when you update. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just... Listen, I mean, Facebook's platform's still good, but it's just not going to be as good for iOS users now. It's, mm -hmm. it's just that simple. Um, the targeting's going to be harder. So um, another change, they already did this before, but it's it's um, more widely implemented, which is um, they only have one day click now. Yeah, So the, the conversion window. If somebody clicks on an ad, mm -hmm. before it was like typically seven day click was like a standard. Mm -hmm. So if someone clicks on an ad and then buys three days later, you attribute it to that ad, right? Now mm -hmm. it's one day click, which obviously for some products, if it's like more of a spontaneous purchase, may not affect you that much. But a lot of products, it's, people don't just buy yeah, before right it was, on the spot. People yeah, before think it was, about um, it. I think one week for a click through on one day for a view through. Yeah, that's, the standard used to be one seven, basically. One, seven. One, one day view through. So if someone sees your ad but doesn't click, but then mm -hmm. goes on and buys, right. it'll attribute it. Within the then, same day. Yeah, and then seven days for a click. So click someone through. actually clicks on your ad, and now it's one day click, which is just... Can you change that manually? Is that the fault? Or no, is I mean, that's... Can even... you, can still, like, you can still have one in seven on Facebook, but for Apple... It's only going to be one. Day. Oh, for Apple. Okay. Yeah. So even if you go to your Facebook business manager, right? And you manager, say one seven. One seven. When it comes to Apple, after it's one day, Apple one says day. your cookie or whatever is gone. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's going to be tough because people don't usually buy things at the first try. I mean, there's multiple no. touch points that they call so, before people make the decision. So uh, unless. It's going to hurt a lot more the niche products. So products that people do lots of broad targeting, um, more wide, like interest-based uh, groups targeting, um, that is probably going to be less affected. I've seen some numbers from different um, people and different accounts where they just basically said, all right, we're going to focus less on um, like our more narrow targeting and just open up and be do broad audiences. And that seems to be working well still. Um, where it's going to hurt, but that obviously works if your product applies to a broad audience, right? If you're Starbucks, you probably aren't affected because everybody's your customer or a huge mm. amount of the population is your customer. But if you have a much more niche product where a lot of most people are not your customer, yeah, uh, it's going to hurt you. I mean, I think if I were an advertiser and I'm trying to target people, obviously with iOS and all that, with iPhones, iPads, whatever, um, I think you have just had to flood the market with your ads because if they have a one-click policy and then, or one day. Yeah, but if, again, it depends what you sell. Right. So if you sell a if you sell a mass market product where lots of people are your market, cool, okay, fine. But if you have a niche product where you know ninety nine percent of people are not going to buy your product, mm -hmm. right? Especially like I think honestly, this kills a lot of B two B on on Facebook, right? Right? Like like if we were to run ads on Facebook, uh, 
which we've done before, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do it right now. I'd have to test more, but I think B2B where you know that 99% of Facebook users who don't run a business and are not going to buy your services, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't make sense for you to advertise on Facebook anymore. Right. Uh, but even for consumer products, right? If you have like, whatever, say you have like a specific, uh, you know, no, hunting gear product. Right, but that's what it's I'm like you advertising to a broad audience where the far majority of people aren't into hunting. That's but you have money. to have many more impressions to get that one click because if my impression today, yeah, but you um, know, Facebook charges based on impressions. I understand, but so, they're gonna have to charge. This is what I'm saying. Like, like basically, Facebook is just gonna be much more for the broad audience, mass mm-hmm. market products. And if you have a niche product, I'm not saying that Facebook doesn't work, but it's gonna be a lot more. You're gonna have to be really smart with how you market. I can see that shifting the campaigns more on Facebook towards the branding side more than the conversion side because you can expose view throughs or whatever. You can have a lot of views on your ads and then kind of do a lot more of a brand awareness. The conversion side is gonna be a little more tricky as far as tracking because if they have a one day click, I mean, people, maybe the 10th time they see your ad, they will say, oh yeah, I need to do this and they click on it same day and then see if they buy or something. So yeah, that's definitely gonna make a change. Um, but listen, you gotta adapt things change right right thing i would recommend is if you have a like if you're more of a niche product and all of a sudden now your facebook ads are performing worse i would focus much more on um niche influencers so Mm -hmm. finding influencers in your niche and using them um because that still works great i feel i still think the far majority of influencers are very underpriced in fact at the micro level with people with like you know Anywhere from five to twenty thousand followers, in a, especially in a niche, a lot of times you can just send them your product for okay, free. Well, it doesn't even cost money. I'm so very... there's there's always opportunity. Like obviously, the, nobody likes to have a uh, marketing channel that was working really well all of a sudden not right, work. But right. that's that's well, we life. saw we saw that before with Facebook when they changed on their own the organic reach and they went from saying everybody that likes your channel or your page will see your stuff to say. If you've been in internet marketing long enough, right. you know that get in while you can on any specific gold rush because it probably won't last. Yeah, and, and and they basically even even for for you know product catalogs and things like that, they 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 ban a lot of products because of whatever policies they have. And then when you advertise, they don't pay money. Then all of a sudden they're not banned. So I mean, there's been a lot of things going on, but but on the on the influencer side. I'm not so much into influencers, to be honest, as much as you are. But I guess it depends on the field. I mean, when you say influencers, in your experience, what what fields or what categories are influencers better for? Like apparel, foods, nutrition, things like that. I mean, what kind of products are better for influencers? Anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, influencer can be a person or it can also be um, pages that are just focused on that. Um, It can be communities that are full it kind of is broad it's just basically um are there niche uh, groups so to speak that kind of focus on what your where the audience is very much interested in your product so it could be like an inst like i said if you sell a specific hunting gear thing it could be an instagram hunting page it doesn't even have to be a person it could be a person too um but it, but things like that they work dude when a lot of them, if you can get someone who has 15,000 followers and has good engagement and all those people are obsessed with hunting and all you have to do is send them the product for free and they'll basically promote you, mm-hmm. it's a steal. Uh, yes. And even when it costs, even when it costs, I mean, I just think, I, I seriously think that the cost of influencers 
three years from now is going to be 5x what it is today because I think it's still so underpriced. Yes, but it's very hard to find for the average agency or the average person to find or to separate the good influencers from the fake influencers, the influencers that have basically become or it's bought their own. It's not that hard. I mean, yes, it takes work, uh, it, but you know, everything I know, takes work. I know very reputable you influencer go. agencies that, that also have had a hard time separating the, the true from the false, you know. Dude, the best way is look at the page. Right, I right. Mean, look at the page. Do they have engagement? How many followers do they have? And how many likes are they getting per post? How many comments are they getting on the post? Are the comments actual comments or are they like just emojis and shit? Just a bot, yeah. Um, go, click on I mean, one basic thing that I do all the time when I'm looking. I will literally, you can click to see who's liking the the, the, mm -hmm. the I post. I see it's an overall person. And you can just... see and just click on 10 random profiles who liked it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If they're real, they're real. And that's how you see it. Does it take a little manual work? Sure. But right. you know what? Hire a fucking intern for ten dollars right. an hour. You need to, to vet those people. Yeah, for sure. Um, put um, in the work. You know, everybody's lazy. Nobody wants now, to put in the work. Would you be? Um, and this is more on the strategy side. But will you make your influencers like basically? Do you just pay them for the service, whether it's being free merchandise or whatever, or even a fee? Or will you think that they will be, or is better off to giving a percentage or a bonus or whatever for sales that they actually execute for conversions? Like more of, of a paid for performance versus paid for branding or exposure. It really depends on the influencer. Uh, bigger well, influencers don't do that shit. They say, pay me. Um, if you have a smaller influencer and you say, hey, I'll send you free product and then I'll give you an affiliate link, um, that may work. It, it's really a negotiation thing. Um, but, yeah, but it but also uh, depends on is it a one-time deal are you doing a package deal? Most of the time, the better approach is not to do like a one post or one story. It's to do a package, a set of deliverables over say like th a two, three months and then basically say, okay, over the next three months, you're gonna do three posts and six stories or whatever, something like that and have a set of deliverables. Then you could do an affiliate link um, where they could tell people to swipe up. It really depends. I mean, this mm -hmm. is all like, I mean, we can get into the minutiae, but. Right. I'm just thinking and, and that if my, negotiation. from my business side, I don't want an influencer to just say, okay, pay me X thousand dollars and send me the product and then I'll do the thing. Yeah, but you negotiate. Yeah, I know you negotiate, you but negotiate. still, so when you pay the money up front and then you don't know what you're going to get on the back end because it's very intangible. I mean, you buy a good, you say, okay, I'm going to pay you this. You're going to give me this. That's fine. But with the influencer, you're trusting them that they're going to influence their audience, whether it's true or not, a true audience, into buying this. And then before you know it, it's like, okay, well, I didn't get the results. Oh, I'm sorry. They, they can just say your product wasn't that good, whatever, you know. Whereas you say, I'm going to give you this product, or maybe a base, but then I'm going to pay your per per performance, basically give you X percentage of every sale that comes from your sales with your code and your tracking link and all that stuff. Uh, then we're, we're fine because I don't feel like I'm I know, paying. but the problem is a lot of people don't buy through those links. So the influencer moves, loses out on that stuff. That's a challenge right now. I know there's actually companies trying to solve that, but right now the challenge is like a lot of people just don't buy through those links. So they might be influenced by that person and see it, uh -huh. but then they're not they actually get the attribution. Right. Right. Again, it's all negotiation. Right. If, right. if the fee is fair, if it's a fair fee. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I mean, obviously they pay for if, if the influencer work well, you know, you're going to hire them again. So obviously that in, incentivize for a good performance, too. Yeah. So even if you pay them a fixed fee, you say, OK, well, this works. We'll do it next month and next month and next month. So right. and, you, and way, too many people look at influencers as a 
quick thing. Don't look at influencers as a, like, I, I wouldn't do influencer marketing as um, direct response, so to speak. No, it's different. Yeah, definitely. um, I think I think that doesn't work as well. The best approach is to just basically uh, do. I mean, in reality, influencer marketing is is another form of referral marketing that used to be before. Where no, it's it's, it's just referral. a version of in the same way uh, when you see like the old school commercials of like the cologne ads where they have you know, George Clooney in a cologne ad, mm-hmm. and it's not direct response. It's like George Clooney with some hot chick driving a car and he like smells good and then it says buy Dior cologne it's not really direct response but it's just oh we have George Clooney promoting our cologne it's yeah. just a micro version of that yeah. um, and if you're going to do influencer right I would recommend doing many like getting if, especially if it's in a niche like say 20 different influencers where a lot of the people who follow them are going to see it more than once across mm-hmm. different influencers right. and do a longer term, at least like two, three month deal. Mm-hmm. That's the right way to do it. Just doing one quick hits. It's not that it can't work, but it's, it's just like throwing darts. You know, I okay. mean, you, you have to be a little more focused. One, one more question before we wrap it up as far as the uh, influencer marketing, which is a topic that we just brought up. But, um, Will that work better? And I'll say one more thing. Invest in the relationships with people. Because a lot of these people, you never know who has 20,000 followers today, but in two months is going to have 200,000. And if you were there with them in the beginning and you had treated them fairly and treated them well and have an ongoing relationship, then guess what? When they're 10 times bigger than they were today, especially these days with how many people are blowing up on Instagram and TikTok, mm-hmm. you never know who's going to blow up. And if just one out of the 10 people you work with fucking blows up and they're like an evangelist for your brand, that is so valuable. Mm-hmm. So well, treat the relationship seriously and treat them fairly because you never know who's well, going to be the that's, next big that's person. Obviously Besides the point, I mean, I, I always think that you should treat everybody fairly. Yeah, it fairly. should be unsaid. It shouldn't need to right. be said, but too many people go in looking purely transactional. Yeah, and that's no, fine. I mean, business is treat, business, I mean, but I you need to treat it with a real relationship. You deal like a professional contract. I mean, whether you deal with the person fairly and then you expect the same fair treatment backwards towards you. So, I mean, that's socially, you know, um, what is expected. But so my question was going to be, in your opinion, does influencer marketing work better for startup companies that are little brand and need to be uh, like a pre-launch or, for, or for more established companies? It works for everybody. Everybody. So if you have a uh, an initial, your startup and you have a, always we have a limited budget and you need to split the pie into, okay, I'm going to do this Facebook campaign, traditional paid campaign or maybe AdWords yeah, I mean, or whatever. Listen, when you're small and you're just starting out and you have limited budget, Test and whatever works best, go with that, right? I mean, so if, if Facebook ads work, like paid ads work great for you and you get a great return and you can build momentum there, do that. If you start, if you test with some influencers and you get a good response, do that. If you're in the beginning, if you have very limited budget, mm-hmm. just test things and whatever works, pour fuel on the fire until you have more money. But yeah, it works for anybody. I don't care if your budget is a million dollars a month or a few grand a month. It works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I think that will just do it for this episode. But the, um, the broader point is just because Facebook and Instagram paid ads may be less effective now. There's so many opportunities for marketing. Don't oh, that's not, that's put your head point. in the sand and right. say, oh, it's over. No, no. I mean, first, I mean, of, first all, of all, they still work well. It's just that it's going to be 
you're gonna have to be more creative with how you do your targeting now. Yeah, I know. And yeah, Facebook will definitely find a workaround and then do all kinds of. I mean, they'll they'll facebook revenue comes from ads so it advertises go somewhere else because facebook is doing this or ios or whatever they're going to find some other way to generate those leads and that and that revenue for them so i'm not it's just going to be more for marketers to kind of find you know the way to adjust the the app placement and the exposures and the types of ads and everything to adjust to facebook's you know new policy or ios or whatever so uh, I'm not so concerned. It's going to take some adapting, but I think advertising is always going to be effective for all platforms. I mean, Apple is, it, it, who knows? I mean, maybe even Apple gets some backlash and saying, hey, I don't want so much privacy. Let me make more decisions or, you know, I mean, the privacy is fine. I don't fine. think that typical Well, but at the same time, it. I mean, you, you compare, for example, you compare Apple Maps with Google Maps, okay? Apple Maps supposedly are more secure, they don't track you here, there, whatever. But sometimes Google Maps is much more convenient. You, They know where you are. They'll tell you you are five minutes from work, there's traffic here, there's a yeah, police I mean, camera listen, there. The, 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 you know, the, argu the, the, the argument side. against, the, the argument for the tracking for ads right. is that I, you're going to have ads on the internet, okay, wherever you go. If you're on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, you're going to have ads. Would you rather have ads that have nothing to do with you that you're not exactly. interested in or ads that you of products you actually like? Right. That's the argument for. Now, the argument against is, hey, I just don't want me to be tracked right. when I'm not but using I, Facebook. Honestly, when I, go to, uh, when I go to Instagram and I just keep scrolling up and down stuff and I see some ads, usually are for things that obviously I've been interested in. Many times I actually click on them, go to their custom money, by the way, go to the you know website, landing page, whatever, and open that and save it on on safari for later because i'm interested in the product and i continue so i mean it's not it's not really such a big such a big issue you know yeah but you, you, can't, you case, can't be emotional about your marketing right you got to be right ruthless and, and, and cold-hearted and do it works and the second something changes you got to just compartmentalize say okay this is over there's nothing there's nothing any of us can do about the facebook apple relationship okay right so just move right. on it's just a, as long as it doesn't become like a little vendetta between zuckerberg and tim cook and they kind of make each other's life be difficult and then at the end of the day the consumer is saying okay well guys just peace out you know just uh yeah but the consumer that typical user has no idea. i mean right. we know because we're in the ads business but anybody who's not in the ads business has no idea any of the back-end inner workings of these right, things right, so they right. don't understand and that's fine they don't need to i wouldn't be interested in yeah. ad tracking if i wasn't in the business either right all right but well, anything else that you'd like to add on this topic or anything else nope i think we're good all right it's been uh it's been great <laughs> definitely know what we expected for the first five days of the uh or six days of the year but um i think everything will be fine We'll be uh, in better shape as we move forward. Notice that we've been talking for almost an hour and we haven't discussed any COVID things, even though it's not out of the news yet. Uh, but obviously, there's our priorities right now. But I still remain optimistic. Remember, last time, last podcast, we discussed when we think this pandemic thing is going to start going away and the masks and all that stuff. I still think that by the summer or so this year, we should be starting to see... Uh, some more clarity and light at the end of the tunnel as far as being putting this thing aside and hopefully the vaccines they'll figure out a way to spread the vaccination policy a little more uh, a little faster than what it's been so far so um, we have uh, interesting weeks ahead and we'll be here every week as well so um, for now thank you for listening thank you for watching and um, we'll see you next week thanks bye bye bye